Are you working? What kind of work do you do? You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. We are rolling on this Friday evening here on TSN 1050. We're streaming online, tsn1050.ca. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. This is The Edge. I am Aaron Karolnik, Al's brother behind the glass. We have a litany, a litany, a word I use very rarely, of great guests who will join us this evening, including Aaron Bronstetter, the UFC reporter for TSN. He will tee up UFC 254 from... Abu Dhabi, Fight Island, that's right, it's Habib, it's Justin Gaethje, it's going to be an awesome fight, we'll tee that up and much more with Aaron Bronstetter coming up in just a moment, Dom Padula, the lead producer for TSN Edge, stops by with his weekly visit in about 30 minutes, and of course, as we always do on Friday evenings, it's Al's brother and the grappler for the pound the table picks of the week, and man, if you're looking for some great picks, expert analysis, You've come to the wrong place. Just kidding. Just kidding. We are bringing the heat this evening. But let's start off with one of the great love stories of our time. And no, I'm not talking about Romeo and Juliet or Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet and Titanic. I'm talking about Tom Brady and Antonio Brown because it sounds like, this is breaking news, that Antonio Brown is heading to Tampa Bay tonight to potentially finalize a contract to join the Bucks and join his old BFF from New England from one game. Last year, Tom Brady. Let's bring in Al's brother for the latest on that. Al's brother, I know you do the Alexa updates here at TSN 1050. You have the latest on AB. What do you make of what's going on, and how likely is it that Antonio Brown is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer? Well, the latest report that I read was that the contract was 99.99% done. So I guess they just got to wait for the ink to dry. It looks like AB will be heading to South Beach and is linking up once again with his old buddy Tom Brady. I think this is an interesting move. Um, They're already so, so uh, good at receiver, and they're just adding another weapon to Tom Brady's arsenal. But here's the biggest question. Is he going to be able to settle himself down? He has kept himself out of the limelight for the past little bit. I don't know if that's just COVID-related or because he's literally just kind of chilled out because he went on a little bit (laughs) of a, a scary path there for a little bit we'll call it Uh, but if he can stay clean if he can stay on the field I mean this has to be a big win for Tom Brady and the Bucks. yeah and and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are talking about two of the top what 15 wide receivers in the NFL probably but those two have dealt with injuries hamstring injuries this year and I think I think Antonio Brown who Listen, forget like if you it's 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 very difficult to parse what he does off the field from what he does on it cuz what he does on it he's one of the best receivers in the last 25 years without a doubt. But off the field, the man in the last 3 4 years has been a complete lunatic. Ar- you can argue he's been a criminal. He's been charged with criminal things and I'm not really exactly sure the minutia on exactly how that's all worked out, but clearly the NFL does has not looked fondly on what Antonio Brown has done of late. From a fantasy perspective, let's say he does land in Tampa. He's a must add, right? Oh, 100%. And we were chatting before the show. Both you and I were both smart enough to toss him on our bench during this week's waivers because, you know, after week eight, he is suspended, so he's not going to be able to play this week anyways. He won't be able to play next week either for the Buccaneers. But starting week nine, he'll be ready to go. And like you said, with the the injuries to Godwin and Mike Evans, uh, they're not 100%. You get a guy like Antonio Brown. I mean, you could pick him up for free off of your waiver wire. Even right now, if no one picked him up, he's sitting there in your free agent pool. You yeah. go pick him up right now. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. And for Brady, if you're a Brady fantasy owner, a quarterback, I mean, those, those three wideouts, I'm not sure we've ever seen talent like that. And we haven't seen Antonio Brown on the field, save that one game last year when he actually scored a touchdown from Tom Brady. But I, I suppose it remains to be seen as far as how this all works out, its impact. If you look at the odds on the NFC South, it's basically a pick between Tampa Bay and New Orleans. And we'll talk a lot about Tampa Bay throughout this show because the situation they are encountering heading to Vegas to play the Raiders as three-and-a-half, maybe four-point favorites is a very unique one. And not surprisingly, it is coronavirus-related. But I want to start with what I deem to be the best game going on this weekend. And... The 5-0 Pittsburgh Steelers visit the 5-0 Tennessee Titans. It's the eighth matchup between 5-0 or better teams in NFL history. So this is unprecedented. And Al's brother, the line movement in this one has been curious to say the least. This line opened with the Steelers as two-and-a-half-point favorites. But as of right now, I'm looking at it right now, the Titans are favored by one point. Can you explain to me why there's been such fluctuation in the line in this game? I think that there's just growing concern over the injury of Devin Bush, right? The Their second-year yeah. linebacker, middle linebacker. He is so good, and he's been amazing against the run. And I think when you know people just started looking into this matchup a little more, the Tennessee Titans uh, with Derrick Henry, the immovable object, is, is a tough man to bring down. And without Devin Bush, I think there's some skeptics now as to whether or not the Steelers, although they've been uh, you know arguably the best run defense in the entire league, along with the Bucks, are they going to be be able to be just as dominant without Devin Bush, and I, I got to think that's got to be the reason why this line has moved so much. Um, I, I I was debating whether or not I was going to toss this in our pound the pa- pound the mm-hmm. table picks of the week, and and I decided not to because I do want to see what this Steelers defense looks like without Devin Bush. So even me myself at first a, a minus two and a half, I was all in on the Steelers, but now even as as a plus one, I kind of want to hold off a little bit. I might not bet that game. Well, you mentioned the injury to Devin Bush. He's a stud at linebacker for the Steelers, but the Titans also lost Taylor Luan, one of their best offensive linemen, and Pittsburgh, they rush the passer, and there's going to be a lot of blitzing there from the Steelers. But I want to read you some stats about Tannehill and Derrick Henry. We talk so much about Derrick Henry, and he is by far the best running back in the NFL these days. I don't even think there's a debate. But Ryan Tannehill continues to be overlooked as far as how productive he's been in the last, let's call it the last 16 games in which he's played, the playoffs included, he has 35 touchdowns. The Titans are 13-3 and in those games. They're averaging almost 31 points per game. He has been an absolute stud, and I don't think he's getting the respect that he deserves. I also, Al's brother, want to get into the Bucks and the Raiders. And I mentioned the, the coronavirus situation with the Raiders. The entire offensive line... Has been, and this is the most 2020 story out there. The entire offensive line of the Las Vegas Raiders has had to quarantine the entire week because of exposure to another offensive lineman, Trent Brown, who tested positive for coronavirus. So these guys were exposed on Tuesday, and if they clear all of the testing protocols leading up to the game on Sunday afternoon, they will be able to play. I have a feeling this game is going to come up in our pound the table picks of the week. But if an entire offensive line, and we're not football uh, management types or former football players, but if an entire offensive line is unable to practice all week, that cannot bode well for your team's preparation for that game. 
I don't know about you, AK, but I played offensive line at Stanford Collegiate for three seasons as the starting center. So I do have a little at bit. At what collegiate? <laughs> Stanford uh, Collegiate High School in Niagara Falls. Go home. You were the starting center? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? I know. Oh, my short boy. stature is, is <laughs> it's it doesn't scream uh, offensive lineman, but I mean, I was also a chubbier kid, and you're not going to stick me out there at linebacker or at DB. So, kind of, the offensive line was always where I was. But I can tell you that practice is, is important when you're playing the offensive line position. Like, when it comes to, uh, you know, knowing your alignments and for guys who are kind of filtering in and out of the lineup, it's, it's tough. So, it's going to be difficult uh, for these linemen just to kind of come in and not be able to get that contact and get that work throughout the week. And I feel like that's going to kind of benefit the Bucks, who already have such a stout defense as is. I had no idea you were the offensive line insider at TSN 1050. Captain, but I'm, buddy. Captain. I'm, you were the cat. Oh, my house brother. had so much I have to learn about you and your life before TSN radio. Let's take a look at the fantasy perspective for this week in In Out or Iffy. Don't let an injury hurt your fantasy week. Know who to go with and who to sit. This is In, Out, or Iffy. In this week is Sam Darnold. He will be under center for the New York Jets as they host the Buffalo Bills. Probably more noteworthy for the gamblers as opposed to the fantasy players because the Jets' offense is a disgrace. But the Bills are a little bit banged up defensively. We're going to talk about this a little bit later with Dom Padula. Also in is Cleveland Browns running back Kareem Hunt. He was not on the team's Friday injury report. He will play this week against the Bengals, and he is one of the best starts at running back in fantasy. The Bengals' defense, not at all good against the run. Finally, in is Deontay Johnson. Particularly relevant because the emergence of Chase Claypool in the last couple of weeks may no longer apply with Deontay Johnson back in the fold. He had a back injury. He didn't play the last couple of weeks. And Claypool has become a star. How they will divvy up the wide receiver snaps remains to be seen. But you have Johnson. You have Juju Smith-Schuster. You have James Washington. And you have Chase Claypool. So many weapons. So little time on the field for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Out this week is 49ers running back Raheem Mostert. He has a high ankle sprain. Expect Jamichael Hasty and Jarek McKinnon to split the backfield duties. And if you used a first-round pick on Michael Thomas, oy, he is out this week. And it's not a surprise. He suffered a hamstring injury during practice earlier this week. And he hasn't played since week one. And Emmanuel Sanders is also out. So the Saints' three healthy wide receivers are Traquan Smith, Marquez Calloway and Deontay Harris. Good luck, Drew Brees. Iffy this week. Aaron Jones. Bad news for fantasy owners because Aaron Jones is a stud and he has an awesome matchup in week seven against the Houston Texans. And he's going to be a game time decision because he's got a calf injury and Matt LaFleur uncertain whether or not he will be able to suit up. Also questionable is DeAndre Hopkins. Did not practice at all this week, but he did not practice at all a couple weeks ago, and he still suited up and faced the New York Jets. And uh, that concludes In, Out, or Iffy. And there is nothing iffy about our next guest. He is TSN's UFC insider, analyst, and he is the man with the wagers for UFC 254 tomorrow night in Abu Dhabi. His name is Aaron Bronstetter, and he joins us next on The Edge. You made a wish out of living.
We are back here on The Edge, live on TSN 1050, streaming online, tsn1050.ca. It is Aaron Korolnik with you until the top of the hour. We have Aaron Bronze that are joining us in just a moment. Don Padula will pop by for his weekly visit in about 15 minutes. But before every big UFC card, there's one man I bother. I text him, I DM him on Instagram, um, Twitter, wherever it may be. Aaron Bronstetter, I need some pics. And he sometimes responds, oftentimes like, oh, this guy won't leave me alone every single week. But I pestered him to come on this program tonight where he's obligated to give me all of his gold. He is TSN's MMA reporter. It is Aaron Bronstetter here on The Edge. What's up, Aaron? How are you? What's up, man? You have license to bother me whenever you'd like. Oh, wow. That's a that's a dangerous proposition. You should be careful with what you say, Aaron, because this is a binding it's, it's agreement retractable, here retractable. on the edge on TSN to fit. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, let's get right to it, because there's so much to get to with Habib and Justin Gaethje. Habib's a very heavy favorite. I think a lot of people out there want to back Habib, and understandably so. This is a guy who's lost one round in his UFC career, but betting him at minus three. 35, 350, doesn't really seem all that appealing. Where can the value be found in a fight that's pretty one-sided from a gambling perspective? And can you elaborate and explain how we can find value tonight, or tomorrow night, I should say? Tomorrow afternoon, strangely enough. but uh, Tomorrow afternoon? The, the, the right. rare card that uh, is being catered to the European market. Uh, well, with Khabib, I mean, one misnomer about Khabib is that he's a finisher. He's got a 50% finish rate in the UFC, which means that half his fights go to decision and half his fights finish inside the distance. Justin Gaethje is a very difficult person to put away. Um, I don't think that uh, Khabib's going to put himself in a place of risk if he wins this fight. So I think that if you're a Khabib backer, your best bet is to take him by unanimous decision, plus 350. If it goes to decision, the chances of it being a split or of Gaethje getting a decision I think are very slim. I think that if it goes the distance, Nermago Madoff will be the one who's had the most success, who will win the most rounds, uh, just based on his style. Because Gaethje, the best way for Gaethje to win is to put Habib away, and that's what he's going to be looking, looking to do. So uh, the, the odds on uh, Habib by unanimous decision are plus 350. So you're actually getting really solid dog odds on Habib with, a, with one of the paths to victory that I think is, is more likely for him. I mean, if you look at the Habib by knockout prop, that's plus, um, plus 340. And I think there's a much uh, higher probability of, of him winning by unanimous decision than him winning by a knockout. I mean, the, the only real path for him to win by knockout would be if he takes Gaethje down and pounds on him, uh, which is, is a possible outcome. But I think if you're looking for the more likely outcome and the most value with Habib, you're going to take the unanimous decision prop. I like the ch you have in the Habib. Well done, Aaron. You're the man. You are TSN's MMA reporter. So we need to ask you, let's just say you want to back the dog and you want to back Justin Gaethje about plus 275 to win outright. Would you bet that or would you consider another approach? Oh, here's the approach that I would take. As I mentioned before, I don't think that if, if it goes to the scorecards that Gaethje is going to win. So you may as well get some insurance. There's a prop out there uh, that a lot of the, the, the books have it's it's Gaethje, um, it's Gaethje wins, but if it goes to the scorecard, it's a uh, it's a void bet. So it's basically Gaethje will win inside the distance, um, or if Khabib wins by decision, you're still covered. You're still getting your money back. That's plus two forty five. So he's plus two sixty five money line, but for plus two forty five, which is just a, a slightly slimmer price. You're basically covering yourself in case it goes to a decision. And then if, if it also goes to a decision and Gaethje wins by decision, you're still, get, you're still getting a, a push. Like, you're still going to get your money back 
either way. So scorecards in general equal no action. So basically what you're doing is you're picking Gaethje to win somehow inside the distance. If you look at the Gaethje inside the distance prop on its own, um, Gaethje by KO is plus 415. Gaethje inside the distance is plus 400. But at least in this, with this approach, you're still taking him to win inside the distance, but you're covered if it goes to, to a decision. If, if Habib doesn't win inside the distance, you're still going to get your money back. That, that's the approach I would take with Gaethje. It's a bit more of a measured approach. And when you compare the plus 265 straight-up money line versus the plus 245 with scorecards equal no action, you're basically just buying insurance that if it goes to the distance and Habib wins by decision, you're still going to get some, your, your money back, your initial bet. We're chatting UFC 254, which goes tomorrow afternoon in Abu Dhabi with TSN's MMA reporter Aaron Bronsetter. I had to ask you, because Al's brother, our producer here, made me ask, assuming Habib does beat Gaethje tomorrow, who do you think his next fight will be with? My common sense tells me it's going to be with the winner of, of McGregor versus uh, Poirier. Although Dana White said in an interview recently that he liked the idea of Ferguson facing Michael Chandler um, to, to get the next spot to face Khabib because neither of them have fought Khabib before. And then there's, of course, the dark horse in this equation, uh, George St. Pierre. Whenever I talk about George St. Pierre to Khabib, his face lights up. Khabib wants to face George St. Pierre. Him and his dad had spoken about his late father, had spoken about the idea of facing George St. Pierre at some point in time. Uh, and, and beating George St. Pierre, improving to 30-0 and, and then retiring. That's something that they had discussed. So there's always that chance as well. So I think it, it would have to be either – I don't think he'll rematch Poirier. So I think it'll be either Connor because that rematch would be – it would make him oodles of money, although it's one that he continuously says he's not interested in. Uh, and then either Chandler or Ferguson uh, or George St. Pierre. I think George St. Pierre would be the most appealing to Habib. Now, whether they could actually come to terms with George is another story. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, the, the co-main event of UFC 254 looks like a good one, too. You're talking about the number one ranked middleweight contender, Robert Whitaker. He faces a guy who a lot of people believe has a bright future in Jared Cannonier. How do you handicap this one, Aaron? Yeah, see, it's funny. The perception is that Cannonier is this, like, big upstart, that he's got the, you know, that he's this up-and-comer. He's got a lot of momentum right now, but let's not forget, he's 36 years old. He's, not, he's six years older than Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker is a former champion. He's fought better, uh, better levels of competition. Cannonier has, uh, has looked really good since he's moved to the middleweight division. But his wins are against David Branch, who is no longer with the UFC, with, against Anderson Silva, who was like 44 at the time that he beat him, uh, and he beat him by injury stoppage, and Jack Hermanson, which was a great win. I won't take anything away from Cannonier for that one. He was a plus-250 underdog, knocked out Hermanson. Big win for him. But if you look at who Whitaker's faced, he's, he's fought the cream of the crop for the last couple of years in, uh, in the middleweight division. Now, a lot of people will say, well, he's taken a lot of damage in those fights, and in fight years, he's quite a bit older. And that's a fair statement. But the way that I saw him fight there until last time out, when he got a win, it was a more measured approach. He's not taking as many risks, and he's being calculated. And I think he's a more skilled mar uh, martial artist than Jared Cannonier. I think you're, you're getting a gift here, getting Whitaker at dog money. He's plus 100 right now. That's Ooh. the way I would go for this particular one. We like gifts here on the edge on TSN 1050. Aaron, I, Aaron I'm going to put you on the spot here. Can you give me maybe a three-fight parlay, a parlay of sorts with three different outcomes that we could that I'm mostly, that I can wager on uh, when I watch UFC 254 tomorrow? I can, but I'm going to warn you that it will be chalky. Is that okay with you? Do you do mind a chalky parlay? I oh, I'm, buddy, I'm good. Uh, you, that's my nickname. Don't worry, it's all good. You're Mr. Chalk. Okay. Um, all right. Mr. Chalk. I would I would take uh, Habib. Magomed Ankalaev, so that, that's uh, two legs. Oh, and then spell I would take that Bill for Hodge. me. 
Okay. Khabib, Ankalaev, and Haas gives you plus 153. Not great value. I I mean, to me, I I would parlay overs. Like, I think that that's probably your better bet is you you take the – Take like the over in the Cannoneer and uh, and uh, Whitaker fight. That's like minus one hundred eight. I think that one goes to decision. Um, and I, I also like the the over in uh, Kutelaba and Ankalaev. So you're actually going to get better odds parlaying those two things. You take the over one and a half in Kutelaba and Kalaev and the over two and a half in Cannoneer Whitaker. I think those that would be a safer bet than doing a three leg parlay like the one that I said. I, I think there's a, a decent amount of risk. In, with both Khabib, with Gaethje. I think Gaethje's a very tough opponent. With Haas, because Haas has notoriously been someone who has choked. And uh, Ankalaev, because uh, Ankalaev is, is a, you know, against a very risky opponent with Kutelaba. Kutelaba is going to come out guns a-blazing. So I'm not, I'm not super sold on a lot of these chalky parlays. I think you're better off parlaying um, uh, overs and unders, uh, totals rather, uh, in that regard. I think that's a better, a better play. All right, I am on it, and Aaron, when these bets cash, I will take you to lunch at the Niner Diner if and when we ever return to TSN. You can hold me to that one, okay, my friend? I like that caveat. Yes, exactly. and if not, oh well, we'll probably never see you again. All right, that is Aaron Bronz there. Thank you so much for doing this, my man. I hope to see you soon, and uh, all the best to you and the family. Yeah, my pleasure. Enjoy the event. Remember, tomorrow afternoon, not tomorrow night. Yeah, I think a lot of people are, are were unaware. I mean, clearly, I would be one of those people. But it starts at two o'clock tomorrow, correct? Yeah, the main card starts at two o'clock, and the uh, the prelims are at ten. Okay, perfect. Oh, baby, it's a long day for you. Well, I'll let you get to get oh, to resting did. up for that. That is Aaron Bronstetter. All right, all right, Aaron Bronstetter, TSN's MMA reporter. Don Padula, the lead producer of TSN Edge, going to join me next, and I have a hot take. I like the Jets this week to cover the spread, and I'll tell you why next. When Antonio Brown, I guess at the time he was a member of the Steelers, came up with his own nickname, and that nickname was Mr. Big Chest, we probably should have realized that things were about to go awry with him, but... The last couple of years, a lot of turmoil, certainly off the field. One game with the New England Patriots. It certainly seems, well, it does seem, that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have signed Antonio Brown to a one-year contract. He will he will be eligible to play as soon as Week 9. That according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. And on that note, we welcome in the TSN's Mr. Big Chest. His name is Don Padula. He is the executive editor of... TSN Edge. What's up, Dom? How are you? What's going on, man? Uh, we're, we're doing good here. In case, so break down this uh, this Antonio Brown situation for me. What do you think, first of all, his fantasy value will be as the presumed third wide receiver for Tampa? And what do you think this does for the Bucks as a whole as far as their chances to win a Super Bowl? Yeah, I'm just seeing the news right now. It's pretty crazy how quickly this came together. I know earlier in the day it was supposed to be the Seattle Seahawks that were the favorite to land Antonio Brown, and that changed obviously pretty quickly with the news that he was headed to Tampa Bay, and now he's signed. Uh, I've seen I've seen Antonio Brown for a few weeks now. I know in uh, in a lot of leagues, guys were picking him up this past week when he came back into the spotlight a little bit. Um, my dynasty league, he was owned a little bit earlier in the season. Guys were just holding out hope that he would come back. Uh, in terms of potential places where he would end up, I don't 
know that this is the best spot for his individual fantasy value. You know, there's a lot of uh, weapons that Tom Brady's going to have to feed there. Uh, you got Mike Evans back. Chris Godwin's finally starting to get healthy. Gronk's finally starting to come around. I mean, from a team perspective, you can never have too many weapons. But, you know, Antonio Brown's been out of the league since last season. He's going to have to work his way back to speed. You know, a lot of guys are kind of doubting him and saying, you know, he's been out for so long, we don't know what he's going to bring to the table. I think Antonio Brown's ready. I think he's wanted to come back into the league for a while. He's been ready. Now he's finally going to get his opportunity, it looks like. Um, so from Antonio Brown's standpoint, I think that he's going to be a decent addition if you ended up picking him up for free in fantasy. Uh, I'd be a little concerned if I had some of the other guys. I know Mike Evans with Chris Godwin in the lineup. He hasn't too productive. Uh, now you add Antonio Brown, so that's not going to help anymore. Um, and they got Chris Godwin back, who I know I own in my uh, Dynasty Keeper League, and I'm a little bit concerned. You know, I was already a little bit worried about how many touches there were to go around. I still have faith in Godwin. I think, you know, in that slot role with his speed and what he brings to the table, he'll be okay. But it's just another weapon on an absolutely loaded offense. It's going to be fun to see what happens. I, I can't wait to see what, what happens with the Bucks. This team quickly, I mean, maybe probably in the offseason, just adding Tom Brady and Gronk alone made the most interesting team in the NFL. And now adding someone like Antonio Brown, Wow, that's going to be something special when we see them back, hopefully together in Week 9, assuming Antonio Brown is up to speed by then. Before the break, I talked about how I'm leaning towards betting on the New York Jets this week. And yes, audience out there, don't drive off the road. It sounds absurd, but hear me out. You're getting, actually I'm looking at it now, it's only 10 points hosting the Bills. It went up to almost 13 and a half and has been bet down to 10. So a lot of money coming in on the Jets. And I don't know if that has to do with Sam Darnold's return to the lineup after suffering that shoulder injury. It looks like Jamison Crowder is going to be in there. Whether their star, um, star might be relatively relatively speaking. Um, Mekhi Becton, their top offensive lineman, looks to be back in the lineup. Is this crazy or has it gone too far for the Jets? 10 points hosting the Bills. Which sign are you leading, Dom? I'll, I'll put it to you this way. At the start of the season, the Jets were one of three teams that I looked at that I just wasn't willing to bet on. I mean, regardless of how high I thought the number would go, um, it was the Jets, the Giants, and Washington. Now, you look at those three teams so far this season, they're combined 2-17, and 17, and the only win, uh, one of those wins was the Giants beating Washington in Week 6. So one win uh, between those three teams, not against each other. And then you look at um, the, over the past few years, what we've seen from teams that are massive underdogs. You know, New York, I know you mentioned the number has been all over the place and there's been some sharp money coming in on the Jets. That number's down to 10 at some spots. I just don't know that I would trust the Jets. You know, they're 32nd in the NFL and DVOA. They haven't looked great. I know they get Denzel Mims back, who's been talked about a lot, you know, explosive rookie that potentially brings an element to that offense that we haven't seen from them so far this season. I know what Perryman brings to the table. Um, and I know that the Bills are a little bit beat up, especially when it comes to their defense. But, man, this Jets team, just watching them over the past few weeks, I don't know that I could put my money on the Jets and sit through a full three hours cheering for Sam Darnold, <laughs> especially, 
against the Bills. I mean, I know the Bills are coming up a couple of tough losses. They want to get back on track. They got the Pats next week. I don't think that they could afford to overlook this one, though. So, uh, in terms of am I going to back you up betting on the Jets, um, I think I'll pass. Yeah, when when we had uh, Davis Sanchez on the morning show, I brought up the idea of betting on the Jets, and he was horrified at that notion. So I suppose you and him are in line, the TSN Edge analysts on that very subject. Every Friday, Tom, when we bring you on, we talk about uh, survivor pools, and last week it worked it worked very well for all of us. And we went with Miami over the aforementioned Jets, and I think it's pretty safe to say if you still have the Buffalo Bills, you're probably using them this week. If you don't have the Bills in Survivor, what games are you eyeing? Uh, well, I, you know, to your point, uh, you were right. We faded the Jets last week. Uh, I was doubting myself a little bit just because uh, I had a couple other options on the table, and I was a little bit worried about backing Miami. Uh, but they ended up coming through for us big time. And so I think I'm going to go back with the fade the Jets strategy and take the Bills. It's one of the reasons why uh, I wouldn't join you on that bed of uh, Jets plus 10.5. Uh, if I look elsewhere, you know, there's a couple of teams. Tampa Bay, um, different survivor leagues are set up so that, you know, you have a secondary pick in case COVID ends up um, pushing back the game, forcing a postponement. Um, so there's always the issue with what the Raiders are dealing with. Does that game get pushed back? Uh, but Tampa Bay would be one of the options that I would look at. Uh, and then obviously the Chargers. You know, I've seen a few people talk about the Chargers potentially being in a letdown spot against a Jaguars team that upset the Colts in week one. But we just haven't seen anything from the Jaguars ever since that would make me uh, think that they could go to Los Angeles and beat them straight up. You know, they've given up over 30 points in every game so far. The offense hasn't looked good at all with Gardner Minshew, somebody that was talked about a lot heading into the season. He just really hasn't delivered so far. And then you look at the Chargers, what they did against the Saints. I mean, they're a missed field goal away from going into New Orleans and beating the Saints. And then they get some time off to prepare for this one, uh, coming back off the bye week. They're 8-0 and against the spread against Jacksonville all time. I wouldn't be surprised with that line at 7 if the Chargers win, cover, and that makes them an alternative for me in survivor pools as well. Yeah, and you have the KC Chiefs at Denver who ended a lot of people's survivor pools last week uh, beating the New England Patriots. And and you meant, and we talked about the, the Bucks and the Raiders and coronavirus and how that throws off practice schedules and preparation. The whole idea of the Raiders' entire offensive line not practicing the entire week against a Buccaneers, preparing for a Buccaneers defense that blitzes and performs the way that they do, I mean, you can maybe find it three and a half, four points in favor of the Bucks. I'd be surprised. I, I don't really know if this game's going to get played, considering the circumstances. Is there a situation in which you'd go with the Raiders in this one? Uh, no, I, I, there's no way going into this game. I mean, even before this Brown news surfaced and, you know, he, he's not going to be back this week, but even before the news of Antonio Brown going to Tampa Bay, I was just looking at how the Bucks have kind of flown under the radar a bit this season. I mean, there was a lot of talk about the Seahawks, which is understandable. They've been excellent. The Packers, before last week's loss, they've looked really good as well. Um, but the Bucks have kind of flown under the radar, and that has to do with their slow start. But I think if you take a closer look at the numbers, I mean, they really pop out to me, especially when it comes to their defense. No defense has allowed 
less yards per game than the Bucks this season. They're up there in pass rush win rate. They've been excellent defensively. And then when you look at the offense, not only has Chris Godwin missed time, Scotty Miller missed time, both of those guys are coming back. Then you add Antonio Brown. I mean, this Tampa Bay team, it's no surprise that they're the second pick of the NFC right now to win the Super Bowl. And even without Antonio Brown, going into this game, you know, you mentioned the Raiders, what they're dealing with in terms of practice and the COVID disruption. Um, Tampa Bay is going to be motivated. They know that they're uh, going to be in the spotlight from now until the end of the season. And I think even before Brown makes his debut, they're going to look to make a statement in this game against the Raiders. I have a feeling the Buccaneers will come up in the pound-the-table picks of the week with Al's brother and the grappler coming up next. As always, Dom, we appreciate you doing this for us. Have a great weekend, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks a lot. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games, guys. Hammering home conviction. Stop the hammering. It's the the pound-the-table picks of the week. Where's the hammer? On the Edge with Aaron Karolnik. All right, we're back here on the edge. It's TSN 1050. We're streaming on TSN 1050.ca. What a beautiful day it was in Toronto and the GTA. And I know my man, the Grappler, teed it up with my man, Carlo Koliakovo and Brian Hayes. And Graps, I need like a 20-second synopsis of the round. How how many bangs were uttered? Any notable events? Uh, there was, uh, where did Carlo have a birdie? There was a bang on, I believe the, uh, I can't, I can't remember the hole at this point. There was, there was a bang. He did make a nice putt. Uh, Carlo didn't have his best round. Hayes could not follow up the uh, 76 that he had earlier this week. Um, and I'm pretty sure I came out on top. So, uh, it's, <laughs> I, I haven't won oh, much the last couple weeks I, the, or the last week, but, uh, yeah, I, I pulled it out today at uh, my, my old home track. So. Yeah, felt good. Oh, that's I'm I'm very pleased to hear that. Not only do you pull it out here on the pound the table of, of the uh, pound the table picks of the week, you also do so on the golf course. So let's get to the pound the table picks of the week. Grappler, you are five and three on the season. Not your best showing last week, but I know you're going to bounce back strong. Who are you pounding the table on this week? I mean, it's definitely my hope to uh, recover after a uh, brutal 0-2 week last week. Let's just move on from that. So my first pound-the-table pick of the week, I am taking the Bucks at 3.5 over the Raiders. Uh, a mistake I've seemingly made a lot over the course of my life is going against Tom Brady and counting out Tom Brady and saying that he's slow and that he's washed up and that he's done. It's something I think we've all done. Um, and I'm trying to learn my lesson, so I am going to take Brady and the Bucks this week, but it's not even so much to do with the Bucks. It's just that the... Las Vegas Raiders don't have an offensive line. Um, I don't know how they're going to be able to withstand drives down the field when they're getting false start penalties and pre-snap penalties every two plays. Uh, I don't think Derek Carr is an experienced enough quarterback to be able to handle that. And other than Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, not enough talent around him. Uh, that three and a half points really seems like a gift for the Bucks. They're going to be all kinds of hyped up after signing Antonio Brown. Not that they really need an extra gear after the way they played last week, but they're going to have an extra gear this week. Gronk seems to have found some semblance of his former self. He's back to making a difference. Uh, the Raiders, I mean, defensively, they haven't been too bad, but the Bucks are, you know, far better and are going to be feeling high after what they did to Aaron Rodgers last week. The Bucks should roll to a double-digit victory, and, uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to be close. If you think that uh, your one of your biggest mistakes in life is doubting Tom Brady, Grappler, you are in serious denial. So, <laughs> I never. I mean, to be I'm fair, I never said it was one of the biggest mistakes of my life, but just one that I've made time and time again. Anyways, moving okay. on from my I, mistakes, I uh, 
Yeah. Let's hopefully not make another mistake with this second pound the table pick of the week. And I have got the Chiefs. And now let's just be clear on the spread. Are we at? Are we in agreement at nine, or are we going to stick with nine and a half? Yes. Because yes. Nine is good. That's the spread. Nine is good. Okay. So taking the Chiefs at nine over the Broncos. Uh, the Chiefs have been a per- perplexing team this year. I mean, we saw what they could do last year. It's you know they still have that team there, so they're still kind of scratching the surface. Uh, but I think this could be a week that they really kind of start to break out. Might have Levy and Bell on the field, but even if he doesn't play, I think even just his presence in that on that roster now, um, it's going to have an impact on each offensive player because when Le'Veon goes in, someone else is going to have to come out. So nobody wants to be losing slaps, losing targets, losing carries to Le'Veon. Um, and Andy Reid's a creative guy. Who knows how he plans to use him if he's anywhere near as effective as he was with the Steelers. Um, and, I mean, Clyde edwards Elaire had a massive week last week. He's going to be feeling good. Uh, Chiefs are going to be able to establish the run early, uh, going to be able to open up some big plays for Tyreek and Travis Kelsey, and Mahomes is going to ball out like he always does. Chiefs should be able to come out on top by at least <laughs> nine points. All right. You heard it from the grappler. He is on the Bucks minus three and a half and the Chiefs minus nine. Over to Al's brother, who is the New York Jets of this segment, week in and week out. Let's come up with a W here, Al's bro. Go ahead. Come on, man. The New York Jets. I, come on, I got at least a couple of wins here. I'm not completely over. It's true. I, I apologize. I take it back, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm more like the Giants. I'll take the Giants. Uh, all right. I'm on the Road Warriors this weekend. Uh, I'm taking the Bucks as well at minus three and a half over the, over the Raiders. I was actually excited for this matchup. You know, the Raiders have been a much more competitive team than I thought they'd be. Uh, Gruden has that team playing pretty well, but with three of their five starting alignment on the COVID list against a very good Bucks defense, it's not going to be a winning formula. We don't even know if they're going to play. Uh, the Bucks themselves, though, they're coming off a pretty big win against the Green Bay Packers where they put a lot of pressure on Aaron Rodgers and it affected his game. And I think that'll be the game plan with Derek Carr. They're allowing a league low 64 yards rushing per game as well as the number one rush defense in the league. And offensively, Tom Brady showed last week that he still got it. He is proving everyone wrong, not just the grappler, but everybody wrong that he still is the man. Uh, I'm shocked this line hasn't moved more through the whole COVID situation. It was about three and it's moved up to three and a half. I thought it would move a lot more. And, and it does seem like a gift for better such as uh, yourselves and I. And for that reason, I'm pounding the table for the Bucks minus three and a half. So my second pick of the week that I'm pounding the table for is going to be the Cleveland Browns at minus three over the Bengals. And I chuckle at that one because it's the Cleveland Browns. But this is the second time that these two teams have played each other over this season. And the Browns took game one, 35 to 30. But it was a last-minute touchdown by Joey Covers that gave the Bengals the backdoor cover there. The Browns were in full control of that game and just ran the ball down Cincinnati's throats. They ran for over 200 yards in that game. And Cincinnati's given up the 20. 25th most rushing yards per game. So I think with Kareem Hunt in the lineup, I would expect for them to stick to the same game plan and just run it down the gut and end up scoring a whole bunch of points on that terrible, terrible Cincinnati defense. And defensively, you know, they dominate the, the line of scrimmage as well there too. They put a lot of pressure on Joe Burrow and the Bengals defense is is gonna be short or their offense is gonna be shorthanded without Joe Mixon, who's declared out today. I think that's a big blow for the Bengals. I know the Browns have kind of been a little Jekyll and Hyde this year, but I believe in the Browns, and I'll take them as the road favorites. Browns minus three. All right, you've heard from the grapple. You've heard from Al's brother. Now you hear from me. I'm pounding the table also on the Bucks. It has, I mean, I think all you guys both brought up really good points about why the Bucks are going to win and cover this game. 
But the Raiders have been just horrible coming out of their bye under John Gruden the last two years. They lost by 18 against the Packers last year, 14 at home to the Colts the previous year out of the bye. And, of course, that is the situation here as well. The Bucks are first in opponent yards per play. The Raiders rank 30th. And the whole coronavirus thing with the Raiders, their entire offensive line hasn't practiced this week. How can you possibly wager on a team whose offensive line has not practiced all week? They've been in isolation. They haven't been working out. They haven't been lifting. They haven't been eating properly. You cannot back the Raiders here. You must back the Bucks. That was very passionate. Also, I'm going to be passionate on the Carolina Panthers plus seven and a half. Drew Brees has a noodle arm, and not a good noodle. There's not a lot of good noodles, like the pool noodle or Mr. Noodle. No, no. This is Drew Brees, and his arm is a noodle. He's not going to have Michael Thomas. He's not going to have Emmanuel Sanders against the Panthers, who can score points with Teddy Bridgewater, who covers as an underdog. He is 30-10 and 10 in his career against the, against the spread. And the Panthers have lost one game all season by over a touchdown. That was in week two against the aforementioned Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where the Panthers turned over the ball four times. Won't happen again. Panthers cover and perhaps even win straight up. Al's brother. That's what I was going to ask you. I wouldn't be surprised with all those injuries to that receiving core, and we've seen what uh, Drew Brees hasn't been able to do without Michael Thomas. Now Emmanuel Sanders also going to be out. I could definitely see Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers winning this outright, let alone covering 7.5. What's the deal with Michael Thomas? I mean, like there's something going on. He punched the teammate in the head, and now he's got the hamstring. He's had the the ankle. I don't know. I I don't really know which way to, to view that. Well, I mean, AB, uh, AB that, has that, that uh, worse, might, worse indiscretions. Yeah, that uh, seems a little bit soon to be uh, giving him that title. But AK, not that I'm against your Raiders pick in any way, because obviously I'm making, or sorry, your Bucks pick, because I'm making the same one. But you said that the Raiders' offensive line hasn't been eating properly. How do you know that they haven't been <laughs> eating properly? I have sources, Grappler. As a great producer, <laughs> great sports radio producer, I've uh, reached out to mem- many members of the PR staff, and um, they're not eating that well. That's what I hear. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I can't That's argue with that. <laughs> All right, that is the Grappler, Al's brother behind the glass. I am Aaron Karolnik. It's been a pleasure to bring this program to you as we do each and every Tuesday and Friday evening. Have a terrific weekend. Enjoy what's left of the non-snowy season in Toronto. And we'll speak to you on Tuesday night here on The Edge.